it live. Okay. We'll do it live. Fuck it. Do it live. I can, I'll write it and we'll do it live. She cried to the southern wind. About a love that was shooting Hello, hello. Welcome to Open Wide for some soccer. My name is Seth Bertelny. I am joined this evening by Pablo Mauer. Pablo Mauer's guns. And Thomas Floyd. Pablo Mauer's uh, not actual guns. I chose I chose not to break out the guns today. <laughs> I apologize. Pablo, uh, has, Pablo has a ritual, I believe, before the start of every summer where he cuts the sleeves off of 95% of his shirts. Uh, actually, usually... Uh, Usually ends up happening. You know, we have a caller already. What? Let's just go to the phone. Where are the odds that Thomas wrong it? Uh, <laughs> three five eight. You're on uh, open wire for some soccer. How can we help you? Hey, we can barely hear you. Who is this? Oh, hey, uh, Auntie from Finland. Auntie from Finland. How you doing, man? So for those who, because you're a little staticky, so question was Kyle Lahren seems to be running away with the Rookie of the Year award. Obviously, who uh, who's going to be the runner up? Let's just get straight into some MLS talk. I, I like it. No banter, yeah. no bullshit. Yeah. I don't have a name right off the top of my head. I'd have I was to ponder say, this one because Kyle Lahren is so far in front. I was thinking maybe Matt Polster could be a, a good shot. Yeah, that, that's not too bad. Chicago Fire uh, holding midfielder been been pretty sharp. For a, uh, for a bad team. Maybe Andrea Pirlo? I don't know. <laughs> Does he qualify for that? I feel like the answer is probably no. What, uh, is, what is the criteria for Rookie of the Year? Uh, first year professional. Pro- okay. Yeah. yeah. All right. Um, okay. Yeah. I'd have to... Uh, give, give me a minute. Uh, I'll get something to you. <laughs> He's Googling furiously. Go, goes to the Google MLS Rookie of the Year front runners. I mean, Kyle Lahren, how good has he been, though? Incidentally, uh, yeah, hat trick and a brace back to back after what was a somewhat disastrous gold cup for him. He had like the miss of the tournament that would really defined Canada's dreadful run. Kyle Laird's club form is so far ahead of his form for country, he might as well be playing for the United States. Is Kyle Laird the the offensive weapon that Kaka needs to get back on the Brazilian national team? (laughs) (laughs) All right, uh. So, uh, in reality, I just pulled up the super draft results, but uh, Alash, Alashe. Alashe for San Jose. He's been, been very solid. He missed some time uh, on international duty, but okay. he's, been, he's been good for them in defensive midfield. Aside from that, uh, yeah, not a lot of obvious choices. Uh, you have guys like Amadou Dia and Christian Roldan and Axel Hoiberg. I'm still not sure I'm pronouncing his name right. Who have gotten spot duty and been sharp for like a game or two at a time, but nothing even close to what you know, like Laren and even uh, Polster and Alashe have done. I think I want to apologize. So I think we lost our finished caller. I think uh, it sounded like he was calling over like a 1900s telegraph. Wire. It sounded like he actually was calling from Finland. Yeah, um, guys. Obviously. Uh, as always, we welcome your calls, 347-756-6276. I like that we've guaranteed early on in the show that this isn't going to be a show without any calls. You can tweet us at 
OWFSS. Um, with your questions, quandaries, DC United, MLS, U.S. national team, hashtag fire Jurgen, whatever you'd Whoa. like. Yeah. Just firing right out of the gate there. I've been firing out of that gate since he got hired. <laughs> so It was the first game uh, you saw, like he called in Jose Torres or someone. It was like, I was, I'm at, done. I was at that first game with Robbie Rogers scored yep. Philly, Mexico. Yeah. Yeah. After yeah. Uh, a beautiful setup from Breck Shea. I remember that. God, those were the days. Breck such, Shea, such a Robbie bright Rogers. future. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what do you guys want to talk about? Uh, I think there's one obvious topic of conversation. It's the crystal Dunn hat trick. It's on, no, uh, no Thomas. We talked about this. MLS rookie of the year, second place contenders. How about the 10 goal explosion at RFK Stadium on Saturday? You shouldn't joke around about explosions <laughs> in RFK Stadium. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, Hopefully the next one will be a controlled demolition. <laughs> Have you noticed that they put, uh, before the Foo Fighters show, they put up like all kinds of netting and stuff underneath the upper deck? Because they're afraid that right. concrete will fall on people. Uh, did they? They've left it. Hopefully, uh, former DC United employee from years ago told me that more than one fan has gotten hit by falling concrete at that stadium, and that they just sort of got lucky because the fans maybe didn't like their first instinct wasn't to sue the team. Which you know, dude, if I get if the pro- oh, if, you, you, know, you remember a while back when Goff tweeted that thing, a piece of concrete fell in the press box? If that thing hit me and hurt me, I would own D.C. United within Dude, a week. It would, I, would, I would be making tactical decisions at D.C. United it, it within would, a week. It wouldn't have needed to hurt you. If it just, like, grazed your arm, you probably could have taken D.C. I've seen United. A lot, for... I've seen a lot of dives in my day. I literally would have landed next to me, and I would have started rolling over, like, tumbling, uh, grabbing guys, my face. I think we're burying the lead here. There's... Multiple fans that have been hit by falling concrete at a DC United game. It it it's actually happened. Yeah, it's yep. insane. I mean, it, it must have not been too big a piece or not hit them full on, or else they would die. I want to repeat this: If I get hit by something, I don't give a shit if it's the size of a marble. Okay, <laughs> I will own I will own RFK Stadium for all I care. I don't know if you want that uh, the upkeep involved. Have you seen there. my photography upkeep? <laughs> I would I would just turn the power off and walk away for a week, you know, come back to like the some raccoon family ruling the entire place. So DC United <laughs> six to four. Uh, it wasn't the first set of a tennis match. It was in fact the final score of a soccer match Saturday at RFK. Uh, crazy game, obviously. Uh, I feel like we don't need to describe it because we have a good sound clip. Once Pablo finishes typing of uh, Ben Olsen describing it, that would, I think, sum it up pretty nicely. Yeah, I think uh, after the match, Olsen strolls in for his post-game press conference. Uh, I think I turned to him and I just said, what are you feeding these guys? Because it was so insane. And his response was this. (laughs) Play, goddammit. I lost my voice. He lost his voice. (laughs) I lost my voice. Yeah. That's far from far from what I expected. He then proceeded proceeded to soldier through five minutes of a press conference with that voice. Yeah, I wasn't there, but I'm really disappointed the reporters on hand didn't just keep asking questions for as long as possible to see how long he'd put up with it. Bullshit. No. No, yeah, I'm sure that would have happened pretty quickly. <laughs> I mean, what a crazy game. I think, first of all, we have to talk about the beginning because 
for the second straight week, this has to be some kind of a record. DC United gave up a goal in the first minute of the game. Yeah, that has to be a record in itself, let alone them went on to win the game in both Yeah, instances. two straight so, games. Yeah, I don't know out. about that one, though. They, they, you're right. It was under a minute in two consecutive games that gave up a goal. Yeah. That's, That's I'm just going to call that a record. Yeah. But it is, and this is sort of an all-ball one to me. It is an MLS record. Uh, no team prior to this, prior to United on the, on Saturday, had ever gone down two goals in two consecutive games and come back to win, which is sort of insane. I mean, like there have been thousands of games in the league. How has that not happened? Yeah, I, I mean, I'll say to kind of get into a bigger point, I I think DC United is able to pull this off is uniquely positioned because of their style. They don't play a possession oriented game where that all goes to shit if they fall behind early. Sure. That's the first time I've ever heard him swear on air. <laughs> 301. I've taken two years. We Three, finally rubbed off on him. 301, you're on Open Wipers and Soccer. How can we help you? Hello, it is Amir from Maryland, suburbia. How's it going, Amir? Um, it's going great after that uh, 10 goal thriller at uh, RFK Memorial Stadium. Man, that was, that was one for the soccer haters, wasn't it? That's one that you just <laughs> burn that to a DVR, to a laser disc if you want, whatever, and you just hand it to your friends when they're like, Soccer is boring. But there's a note on it that says, yeah, like, but this is some bullshit. With, uh, don't don't expect this again. Yeah. What do you want to talk about, man? Uh, just one. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, which one's better? Taylor Kemp or Dale Young? Ooh. I would say... I'd say Taylor Kemp. You know, here's here's my... Uh, What's the caveat? I mean, 20, 2012 Nick DeLeon or 20... You know. Well, I, just in terms of the goal they scored, like, if Kemp. we're comparing... So here's my caveat. DeLeon hits it with his weak foot and, and on the dribble. Yeah. Kemp hits it one time. Yeah. Like also, the on the yeah. dribble thing makes it easier. Well, me. on the dribble is you're creating your own shot rather than kind of having it... He hit it perfectly, but had it kind of fall right into his lap. DeLeon had to use a little skill to create that opportunity for himself. I would take DeLeon's a little bit over Kemp because, first of all, he's farther out. And second of all, it was from a complete standstill. It was just from nothing. The DeLeon one was was more more shocking, for sure. It was just more like, I I mean, even in the press box, I think I just gasped. But uh, the Kemp one, come on, man. The the, Kemp one's a fucking golasso. Well, they're both golossos, I'd say. Okay, well, the Kemp one's a golasso, asso, 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 (laughs) right? Like, you know. The Kemp one has the benefit of the perfect angle, which I feel like. Okay, the Kemp one was scored by a fullback. Right, and okay. the, and the, the, the Delion one was scored by Nick Delion, <laughs> and Delion has played a little fullback. That's true. Yeah. Uh, what's oh, uh, Amir? What's your uh, what's your choice between those two goals? Okay, so the harder one, Taylor Kemp's was harder to do, but I think that fact that the goalie got a hand to it made it look worse. Yeah, the the so the, 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 the aesthetic of of goals shouldn't be underestimated. Does it go in clean? Right. Does it hit the side netting? Okay, well, in that Does case, Kemp's, getting, Kemp's looks better. Do you see the bend on that? Like, I let's let's take a vote. So, Amir, you're voting for Delion. Yeah, aesthetically. Yeah. Okay, I'm voting for Kemp. And I, th- I believe me and Seth both have voiced for Delion. Well, fuck the three of you. That's what I, <laughs> about what I got to say to that. Uh, All nice right. thing to say to people who call our show. You can say that to us. Uh, Amir, uh, we appreciate the call, man. Keep, keep listening. Cheers. See you, man. Yeah, I think that gets us to our next topic, which is the, the impact of D.C. United's outside backs that we've seen in well, the last we, couple of weeks. Should we talk a little bit more though, about these starts? Because Yeah, let's talk a little more about the starts. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, aside from it being a, 
an oddball, you know, an anomaly of a statistic or whatever, it's seriously concerning, right? I think actually Fabian Espindola said it best after the game. I was talking about it, and he said, you know, yeah, that's fun, but I don't know if we can win a lot of games. For example, I don't know if we could ever win a playoff game like that. You know? Yeah. I mean, you can't – I mean, it, there's no way – you lose that game 99 times out of 100, you know. Apparently. Apparently not, but uh, – I mean, the, and the, the, that's Apparently ha- you win it 100% of the that, time. That exactly. happened a couple times earlier in the season, too, where they, they yeah. won – I believe they had two out of three wins at home where they – came back from early deficits and, and, and won. So this happened now four times at least. And they've come back, they've come from behind and, you know, forget early goals. They've come behind now. This is the eighth time yeah. they've come from behind to win. So obviously it's a trend. I mean, can you keep living that way? Uh, that seems like a bad idea. Uh, do, you, do you think there's anything to the idea that they're just stylistically positioned to deal with those types of situations? They never really play the type, the brand of attractive soccer that gets thrown out the window when you face a deficit. So there's really no change for them when they go behind early. They're, they're just playing the same direct Benny Ball style. I don't know. I mean, I think in both the Philly and the, uh, and the uh, RSL game, things really opened up You know, when they went down. I mean, I do think they make adjustments. You know, um, and I think I think Sabodio, you're already seeing too. He's been huge for them the past two games, especially in hold up play. Yeah, and that, and Sabario helps when you're when you're chasing a game. You, you just want to get the ball up 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 top in a hurry. You have a big target guy like that. He's kind of the perfect player for those situations. Let's hear what Ben Olsen had to say about this. And I'm going to go ahead and call this just a bunch of bullshit. Here we go. Well, I I say two zero. I was you know maybe this is. Maybe this is the game that's going to teach us a lesson. Um, um, thankfully, it wasn't. Um, you know, it lets us address it again. <clears throat> we, were, we talked about it all week, the starts. You know, I, I know these guys, the energy to start the game. They understood the importance of the start. The, you know, but it's, it still happens. And uh, so, again, we'll keep addressing it. But, again, it wasn't for lack of uh, the guys wanting to start well. Um, and that part, you know, is, you know, I guess something we all need to figure out together. I mean, look, I, I just uh, – it's sort of shocking to me that this keep, keeps happening because it's a, this is a team that was built, I think, specifically to sort of not have these kind of amateur mistakes. You know, it's a team built around veterans. These are MLS veterans that, you know – it's it's sort of a thing more characteristic of say an expansion team to go out give up a bunch of early goals you know have a mental lapse like that and um, you know it's strange to hear Olsen say something like well it's not because they didn't it's not because they wanted to give up the goals that they gave up the goals I mean it, you got to figure it out okay let's check that off the list of reasons why it's happening <laughs> exactly okay well they, they didn't want to do it so that's one down okay they didn't yeah. try do that okay what if it's just the back line isn't as good as it used to be what if Birnbaum has hit a wall what if boswell is losing a step uh, what if this center back pairing that you know last year was so effective and for stretches this year was so effective is finally starting to kind of have some cracks i will say um Burnbaum's had a real up and down year, right? Yeah. Started strong, got injured. You know, he actually, started slow. Actually, he started slow because right. he started injured. Then, and then he, he, 
took him a while to kind of round back into form. Yeah, his his CCL game, the first CCL game on the road was a disaster for those two. And then the first road game of the year in MLS at New York was also a bit of a disaster. They kind of, like you were said, started, actually started very slow, then figured there have been, things in out. In consecutive games, there was a goal in each game where Birnbaum got, Birnbaum got beat, and he just literally got muscled off the ball. Yeah. You know, so certainly there's something to that, you know, but... I think also you have to take into account that their all-star right back from last year, Sean Franklin's been out for quite a bit. Um, you have Taylor Kemp on the other side, who, as we've seen more and more recently, has been turning into a very effective attacking player, but still has his limitations as a defender. And so you look, all four defensive positions right now can be considered question marks. And also, uh, you know, one of the goals I... I forget which one was kind of directly on Perry, and you wonder if, you know, maybe he's hit. I, I wouldn't say a wall, but if he's at a point where maybe he's a little stagnant, he hasn't quite continued his growth that was so sharp and so evident last year. I don't know if he's taken the next step yet, and uh, they they really need him to be on top of their game to protect that back line, especially if uh, you know someone like Birnbaum isn't at a hundred percent sharpness. We saw Nick DeLeon, as we mentioned before, have a, a, a really strong game, capped off by that goal that nobody in the world could have ever seen coming. Uh, I mean, literally, dude, that just was, pulled that out of his. It was just like a lightning bolt, and dude, then that, that was Timmy Chandler esque. <laughs> that, that actually is a great, great comparison for a number of it, reasons. It works yeah. pretty much perfectly well. Yeah, yeah, I mean, the fact that it's a right footed player on the right side cutting in with his left, going far post. First goal in a very, very long time. Just did not see it coming whatsoever. It was shocking. And I think if you watch the celebration afterwards, it seemed like a little cathartic for him, too. Yeah. Um, obviously, and Nick will be the first one to tell anybody this. Uh, like, he set the bar high for himself after 2012, and he's just been an average MLS midfielder, below average even sometimes, for the past year and a half. Um and it's frustrating because you know what he can do. You saw what he did in his rookie year, and 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 just every once in a while he's given us kind of glimpses of that, you know. And and last night was, I'm not going to call that a glimpse. I mean, last night I've never even seen him do anything like that. <laughs> but Saturday night, sorry. Yeah, that's not the kind of thing that you would expect him to replicate ever again. But I, I think the question is, is that the kind of moment that will give him that boost in confidence to make him more of an attacking force like we saw in 2012. Yeah, and he's he's streaky. I mean, kind of he made a name for himself in 2012 with a great run of games mid-season and then just getting red hot in the playoffs and he's uh he's that type of player and maybe he gets on the roll now and if I'm DC United, I want him to just keep that going as long as possible. Yeah, we'll have to see what happens. Let's go back to the phones here. 703, you're on Open Wide for some soccer. How can we help you? Hi, I want to know what happened in D.C. United defense. We just had one of the stingiest defenses in the league, and in the last few games you're giving up awful early goals. Yeah, uh, let's let's revisit that. We actually we just touched on that, but certainly um, well, let's just do this positionally. Center backs, uh, Burnbaum, we just said he's been shaky over the past yeah. few games. I Boswell is... He's starting to lose his stuff. Yeah, I was going to sure. say, like, he's never been a player who overly relies on speed or reactions, but, like, there have just been one or two moments where you get the sense that he's starting to be a step 
too slow. He, like it's not constant. Bear but in mind, like the it, guys played every minute of every game for at, the past like five years. Right. Yeah. So this this was bound to happen. I still rate him higher than probably eighty, ninety percent of the center backs in the league. But I agree with you. I mean, there, there's been more than one moment where I've been like, "Whoa!" You know, it's not stuff we saw at him last year. Yeah. Um, outside backs, Taylor Kemp. You know, we we just talked about Kemp and Corb also being pretty pleasant surprises on the offensive offensive side of the back uh, ball. Sorry, but uh, I do think Kemp. There's a there's a little little bit of a liability there defensively. I mean, I think we've seen him give up a couple of goals over the past few weeks. Um, I just think for Olsen, it's a trade off. I mean, you don't want to take that left foot off the field. You know, I mean, yeah. I, I wouldn't want to take it off the field. You know. Mm-hmm. And uh, and with Corb, he, he gets forward well. Uh, he he's kind of like Kemp, but a little more toned down. And that he gets forward well, not quite as well. And he's a bit better defensively than Kemp, but not you know a Sterling shutdown MLS right back but the way Sean Franklin is capable of being. So, and I'll I'll also toss this out. Uh, Bill Hamid, the MLS goalkeeper of the year, <laughs> is currently injured. Uh, you have Andrew Dykstra playing goalkeeper. Uh, I think, Thomas, you were saying this a little earlier. None of those goals I would necessarily say, oh, that's on Dykstra, but certainly a couple of those saves you might expect Hamid to make. I do think I do think uh, United's back line gets a lot of cr- – I mean, I'm not going to say rides the coattails of Hamid, but, you know, he does – it feels like every game he, he saves one – you know, there's one shot that he saves that – I'm not sure any other keeper in MLS, maybe outside of Romando, saves. Yeah, it's easy to forget because, like Seth was saying, none of these goals Dykstra allowed. You're just like, man, Howler, we're you know missing Bill Hamid. If you're a DC United fan, so uh, I, I, I guess our answer, uh, caller, is we have no idea. And thank <laughs> you for your call. <laughs> yeah. Thanks a lot, guys. Bye. Yeah, take care. But yeah, like you, you think maybe Bill Hamid just gets like maybe he gets a fingertip to that long range Beckerman blast, and he saves the first goal. I think yeah. he saves the first goal. Yeah. Also, the 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 header that he got beat near post when he was on the near post um, didn't even really dive. Also, Mons- Monsali's goal, like from a near impossible angle. I think Bill probably covers yeah. the post so, there. So basically, DC wins this game six nothing if Bill is in goal. <laughs> I think that much is apparent. All right. Uh, should we move on to some national team stuff? We haven't done a show in a few weeks, so the last time we were talking about the national team, we were talking about uh, how they were going to easily beat Jamaica in the semifinal and move forward to that hotly anticipated final against Mexico where they would win 5-0 revenge for a couple of years back. Um, I guess it didn't, didn't, didn't really happen, did it? Uh, I don't think so. One of our Twitter followers just asked me to talk about Jerry Bankston's interaction with dead sheep in Iran, which is a thing. I guess he's on a new team in Iran, and they brought two sacrificed dead sheep to him, which he touched at training. So I'm not sure really how to talk about it, but that's strange. That, that is odd. I think that Were those I think dead did? sheep just like a symbol Somebody, for his career. If you want to read more about Jerry <laughs> Jerry Bankston's dead sheep, go to Google and Google Jerry Bankston dead sheep. I guess a, a better symbol of his career is that he's playing in Iran. Yeah. Well, anyway, for Jerry Bankston. Yeah. Former uh, Jerry, New England. Let's not turn this into a Jerry Bankston bash fest, okay? <laughs> Jesus, I thought, thought you were going to say week. like yeah. Jerry Bankston like memorial episode. Like, yeah. Yeah. We'll do a memorial episode for the sheep next week. Did um, you guys see the uh, video that some Red Bulls fan put together? It was like the goalkeepers. The goalkeepers, yes. the Philadelphia yeah. Union have lost. 
Did you see it? I haven't. Right. No. It no. was like an Oscar montage. But it was, it's very good. Oh really? Also Google that. Yeah, it's incredible. It's, it's very good. Pop pop that onto the uh, open wide Twitter account. Yeah, yeah, I'll do it. Um. So yeah, obviously the U.S. extremely disappointing Gold Cup in general. Uh, we were talking about this a little bit earlier. Inevitably, the conversation is going to shift to Jurgen Klinsmann, uh, his particular role in this fiasco of a gold cup. Uh, this is a tournament that the U.S. at the least has to get to the final. And if they're not playing Mexico in the final, it's a tournament that they have to win. The only acceptable outcome really is a, a loss in the final to Mexico. And even then, you can really ask some questions. Uh, because of you the way can, you can fire your coach if that happens, or you can fire your coach if he wins the final through a couple bullshit calls and then punches a journalist, <laughs> uh, and then goes on to get sentenced to 15 years in jail. <laughs> yeah, well, that's a developing story, unrelated to the assault in the airport, actually. Um, so, what do we what do we make of of Klinsman's performance as a manager in this tournament, and uh, how does it sort of Square with his overall performance uh, in his now four years with the team. Let's just ask this question. I'm curious to get your thoughts on this, Thomas. Did Jurgen Klinsmann cost the United States the Gold Cup? I think he did. I, I think. On, on, I mean, I, I agree on yeah. it, I th- I roster think, selection alone. I think. Um, I mean, there are a few things that I think uh, some other coaches might have done differently that would have helped them out. And, you know, other coaches might not have exiled Benny Failhaber for no apparent reason when you have such enticing options out wide as Jossie Zardes. He's literally put Failhaber, like, on a flaming raft and just, like, shoved (laughs) him out to sea or something like that. Um, But, yeah, like, the the decision just – Continue to go with John Brooks and particularly Ventura Alvarado every single game, despite their obvious struggles. You know, John Brooks, I get to an extent. You know, he has played well in at least one big game for the U.S. and he's young, enticing, playing in a top-tier league, and he's the type of player maybe you develop for the future. Um, his competition as position, particularly Matt Beisler, hasn't been at his best over the past year. So, okay, like, uh, I, you know, U.S. fan, you can live with that. Alvarado, like, there might be 10 players in the pool who are better than Alvarado. Like, that I just don't. Name, don't. name, name five center backs that are better than Ventura Alvarado. Matt Hedges immediately comes to mind. Uh, Beisler. Yes, so if we're going to go to the left center backs as well, Beasler for sure. Um, Steven Birnbaum? Yeah, Birnbaum maybe That's possible. not. Yeah, maybe. Birnbaum on a good day, we'll put yeah. it that way. Omar. Omar. Uh, Carlos Bocanegra. <laughs> uh, Jeff, Alexi Lalas. Yeah, uh, Jeff Cameron. <laughs> Eddie who, Pope. Who withdrew. And then also, I mean, I'd, go as, I'd say like Maurice Adu is a better center back than Ventura Alvarado right now. Like AJ Soares, wherever he's over in Italy, is better than Ventura Alvarado. Chad Marshall is List better. On on. I think AJ Soares is in Scandinavia somewhere. Oh, is he? That, uh, that move didn't happen. Oh, right, yeah. Well, wherever AJ Soares is, he's better than Ventura Alvarado. <laughs> wherever you are, AJ, just know that you're better. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, it's it's not good. Uh, Bobby Boswell. <laughs> Question: uh, no, Is Bobby Boswell better than Ventura Alvarado? Yeah. Do AJ De La Garza is a better center back than Ventura Alvarado? We um, saw another sterling performance from Alvarado with Club America this weekend. Alvarado right. doing his best to get now benched on his club team. That he, I think, his own goal was. He had an own goal. Incredible. An own goal, 
a conceded penalty kick and a flub clearance that directly led to a goal all in a two game span once he returned from the gold cup like he is like he and the the and the few games I've seen him play for Club America, he seems to struggle. Like the Champions League final against Montreal, he got torched on one of the goals. Like it's, I, it's just bizarre. Like he is very raw, very young, and just clearly not ready yet. And the idea that, like, I don't think you could have ten other, you could pick any coach from MLS, put them in charge of the national team, and none of them would have. It would not have occurred to any of them to have Ventura Alvarado be on the Gold Cup team, let alone starting. I have a Twitter user here who's just asking if he can call in to cry about La Gata, about Gaston Fernandez. Dude, Portland's Bronco Boscovich. Sure. I think think this is a situation where Klinsman's untouchable status as national team leader has really come back to bite the senior national team. I mean, he knows he has job security. He knows that he's staying unless he wants to leave at least through the next World Cup. And with that in mind, he can start developmental players like Ventura Alvarado and like John Brooks in these games that otherwise you might have played guys that were more ready. You can play guys like Jassy's artists at outside midfield when that's clearly not his best position because you're seeing if he can develop more skills for the future. You can play it, Timothy Chandler over and over again and over again. Yeah, I mean, it's like he knows that he's got a huge safety net. He knows that no matter what he does, I mean, he's going to keep his job. It, no matter what the results are on the field for the senior team, he's been brought to overhaul the entire picture. I mean, we did uh, what, you know, got a chance to listen to Sunil Gulati after the game, and there was literally not one hint, not even like a, yeah, I'm going to sit down with Jurgen and talk. You know, it was just like a, it would be ridiculous to fire him, you know. Right. Even though, I mean, and just as a point of reference, I'm not saying he should be fired at this point or anything like that, because I, I think that would be premature as well. But four years ago, Bob Bradley got fired for a better Gold Cup performance than that. Yeah, this was, you know, when this happened, this was into year five or six of Sunil Galati's pursuit of Jurgen Klinsmann. Right. Um, and Bob Bradley... Uh, on the other hand, was hired as a interim coach of the U.S. national team and just put together some good performances, and so they almost were forced to hire him full-time. So you couldn't have two more different situations in terms of hiring a head coach than Bob Bradley versus Jurgen Klinsmann. Yeah. Oh, man. I, I sometimes forget about the Bradley interim coach. Like, who hires an interim coach externally? Like, that's so – that's kind of like such a slap in the face at the time. And, like, a, and after a, a World Cup cycle, too. Right. It's like that's when you rebuild it with a new coach, right? Okay. Bye, Bruce Serena. Like, thank you for 2002. 2006 wasn't great. Let's move forward. And, yeah. And look at Bob now. Look at him now. There are U.S. fans who who would want to have him back. I would take him back in a second. Oh God! It's... Are you kidding me? I would take him back in a second. Yeah, I mean, I would be a little worried about Jonathan Bornstein <laughs> starting again. But <laughs> the, Come on, the, Bob was Bob Bradley. Bob was Bob was hot back then, and he's only gotten hotter in the past couple of years. I'm, right. a, I'm a little worried about. Are you some... talking about his coaching form or just his physical appearance? I, I'm not sure what I'm talking about anymore. <laughs> Aren't you guys a little concerned about potential nepotism? He might even start his son. Right. Dude, yeah. what, if, what if Klinsman starts doing that? <laughs> I almost it's have expect like a Spanish language media member to ask uh, Michael Bradley someday if like he thinks he's still starting 
Like, excuse me, Michael, do you, th- do you start tonight because of your father? <laughs> Answer, please. <laughs> like The potential nepotism issue I think is going to be great if you know, Jurgen Klinsmann is still around in three or four years and John Klinsmann, who knows what's going to happen to him oh, and his development. God, but he, he yeah. got called into the uh, U23 camp. Right. He was like the youngest player or something. Or... He did? Yeah. I I mean, I'll, I'll say How this. How did that not cause a, oh, like no. a hydrogen bomb on Twitter? <laughs> I'll, <laughs> say, I miss that. I'll say this right off the bat. I am not familiar enough with the youth poll, uh, pool of players to really gauge that move. But people who are seemed flabbergasted by it on Twitter. That it was like out of left field. Got Travis to call in and tell us if, if that's like ridiculous or not. Yeah, if, you know? if anybody is well-versed in our pool of youth national team goalkeepers, please give us a call immediately because I would love to chat. Uh, in, the meantime, in the meantime, uh, do we want to talk about some potential changes that could be made for the October 9th Confederations Cup playoff against yeah. Mexico. Yeah, I mean, um, we heard Jurgen in Philadelphia say that it's going to be a largely largely the same group, but there's literally no way that he doesn't change change things up a little bit. Right. We were discussing this before the show. Like the if you're you know if you read some of the articles after that third place game, you may may have seen this quote. It was asked the Klinsman in a strange way. The reporter just asked him, like, are you going to completely change everything after this? Are there going to be wholesale changes? And Klinsman was kind of like, well, no. <laughs> so I, I don't think – I think there will be changes. They're just going to be subtle. I think he's going to – especially if Ventura Alvarado is benched for his club team, he's going to have to switch up the center backs. Oh, you think so? Yeah. <laughs> you you would think. You know what I hope uh, what what he does is uh, calls Al- Alvarado in again, right? And then um, – Say, like, Alvarado has, like, a bad first half, and then, like, for the second half, Alvarado takes the field, and there's, like, a guard of honor that he's, like, walking through, and he's, like, why is there, and Clint was just, like, thank you for your service, like, you know, he just, like, a forceful, you know, forces him to retire from the national team. I don't know. I think it's possible. Ambitious plan. Yeah, yeah. Anyways. Uh, uh, Okay, so. Where where, where are you most likely to see changes? I mean, I think Beasler is the obvious one. Um like he's just got to get back into the mix if he if he's playing well for Sporting KC, which he has been the last couple of months. Do we assume Beasley gets called in again? I mean, I think for that seems like speaking of people that Jurgen Klinsmann tried to force to retire, right? <laughs> um, that that you would you would think that would be the ideal circumstance, right? Like one off game, like you like bring Beasley back for that. You know, probably start them at left back, but Fabian Johnson at right back, and yeah. then have it, and that be the final game for him. Once qualifying starts, you move on. Um, and then uh, I have a couple pipe dream. Well, really, uh, here we go. I have one pipe dream candidate, and that's Failhaber, who I mentioned earlier. Like well, Failhaber to me, I wouldn't call that a pipe dream. I'd call that like a lucid acid <laughs> trip that you're on. If you think that like, Failhaber's gonna. <laughs> Failhaber absolutely should be starting. Like he, if they're playing the diamond midfield, like he should be in the Jossie Zardis role. So clearly better suited for that than the players they've actually put there. Whether it's Zardis, whether it's Yedlin, and then the uh, the other player who's realistic. I want to see how highly you guys rate him. Is Darlington Nagby, who will be. It's long been reported he'd be eligible in September. I know Steve Goff at the Post had an update on that, saying everything was on track. I'm not sure if he'll be eligible in time for those early September friendlies, but, like... I, I don't he... think there's any way that he's just... I mean, I think he could potentially make the roster. And I'll, I'll say this. I think he should start. 
Yeah. You know, positionally I, at least. I, don't, I, don't, I mean, I don't can't think of a lot of players that are. He he. If they're playing the diamond midfield, which they went back and forth from during the uh, Gold Cup, like he is ideal for the wide role. That's kind of like a inverted winger type thing where. You know, he led MLS in duels one last year. I believe this year he's led the league or is near the top in terms of scoring chances created. Like, that's the perfect blend of a, you know, solid defensive player, aggressive ball winner, and a creator that you would want out of that role. And, you know, it would certainly be better than someone like Zardes, who's been playing out position there. Yeah, I think the question that needs to be asked is in a one-off situation like this, are you going to bring in somebody who's never been with the team before? Uh, Nagby, I agree. I think certainly is a better option than Zardes in terms of a wide player. Uh, you know, I've criticized him as have a lot of other people on a number of occasions for his lack of goal scoring when you see he clearly is able to score goals and just hasn't really happened for him the last couple of years. But the amount of chances he creates, the way he holds on to possession, the work rate that he has on both sides of the ball. I mean, he's a national team player and, and probably in this particular pool, when you look at the guys that have been playing at outside mid, when it, you, you know, whether it's Bedoya or whether it's Zardes or Graham Zuzi, you know, it's, it's a solid group, but it's not anybody that stands out as being untouchable in terms of a starter. And, and I actually think Nagby's deficiencies are minimized in a national team picture in Portland. He, largely is relied on to be the guy, especially amid Diego Valeri's injury troubles throughout this season. Whereas with the national team, he could settle into the kind of secondary role that seems like he would be more comfortable in rather yeah. than being the, the go-to player. We've got a Twitter question here. Uh, does he keep Josie on the roster for the playoff, especially after that meltdown this weekend? That's an intriguing question for sure. Yeah, um, I, I was going to say... Josie's had meltdowns in the past that haven't led to a national team he exile. Just, he but, just got a red card in a yeah. national team game. Yeah, but <laughs> so like my first instinct is no, that won't make a difference. But maybe it starts to add up. Maybe if these things keep happening, it starts to count against him. But I think, I mean, up top, just the options. Are they going to call in Alan Gordon again for, <laughs> for this game? I you mean, ask that as a rhetorical question, yeah. but it's probably a serious question that needs to be asked. All right, let's go to the phones. 203, you're on a wire for some soccer. How can we help you? Hey, guys. This is the first time listening to the show, and uh, I just have a few questions. That's all if you want to answer. Sure, man. Um, I just want your take regarding Chelsea's um, opener against Swansea. Who do you think should be the striker? Should it be Remy or should it be Falcao? Um, I think it should probably be Falcao because Remy wasn't really able to have any sort of presence holding the ball up against... Was that a bell? Do you have an air horn over there? <laughs> Something tells me this isn't a first-time listener. Yeah. Remy la- lacked Sorry a little... Remy lacked the physicality in the community shield, and Falcao, you know, as... La- the lack of sharpness he's had over the past year still like I, really, I take him over it's really funny over to watch Remy. either of these guys talk about european soccer right now <laughs> you could just hear like oh, they're the... not experts. well i think i mean they watch probably a lot more euro soccer than mls right you consider yourself uh, an expert on epl uh i'd say of the european leagues i know epl the most i'm almost an expert i would say that Expert might be a little too far. Yeah, I know EPL decently well, but I'm an MLS specialist. I uh, I know nothing about EPL. I will just openly admit that. Really? 
I mean, I watch. I'm a casual fan. I was just tweeting about this. I don't have a favorite team. I, I watch because I love, obviously, as soccer is top-notch, you know, but um, I just have a hard time getting sort of uh, personally invested in the games, I guess, you know, because I don't have any any real reason to root for any particular team. Hey, I'm a neutral, and I still watch it. It's my favorite league. Yeah. No, I mean, again, I I love good soccer, so I watch it. You know, but um, ah. it's just something something missing there to me. It's just not not compelling me. Anyways, fair enough. And I'm um, second. I always want, I want your guys' opinions about I guess our national team. Um, what do you think Jurgen Klinsmann has to make? What changes do you think he has to make prior to that the, on the Gold Cup squad that have to be on the um, the new squad for Mexico and the World Cup qualifiers? Well, we d- we just touched on that, but the big one for me is you've got to get Beasler in there, and you've got to get Omar in there. You you have to go with that duo. Or... I think yeah, we were just talking about like the biggest change that needs to be made is that Ventura Alvarado probably needs to be executed. <laughs> yes, actually, um. you know what? I'm I'm gonna backtrack on what I just said. It needs to. I mean, Jeff Cameron could start next to Beasler. Jeff Cameron could start next to Brooks. Really, it needs to be any combination that doesn't involve Ventura Alvarado. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and, and and gets in one of the veteran guys who didn't play a part in this Gold Cup, whether it's Beasley or what, whether it's Cameron. You need someone like that in the lineup. All right, man. I'm, we got a caller right behind you, so I'm going to let you go. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for taking my call. Cheers, man. Yeah. All right, uh, nine one four on your open wide. You're on a you. Somebody say it. You're some, on open wide for some soccer. How, how, can we, how can we help you? Yeah. Hey, what's up, guys? Uh, T- Taylor Kemp for USMNT, right? Yeah. Is this uh, Dan Carell? Yeah, yeah. I thought you were I, for a second. I thought it was just Taylor. Kemp. Yeah, me too. Yeah, yeah what's up, like, guys? Taylor Kemp here. Taylor Kemp here. Yeah, yeah. He uh, probably would call in and and pretend to be someone else and talk about his chances for the national team. Yeah. Wait. Do you think uh, Taylor has any chances on the national team? We'll take my answer off here. Thank you. I, I I don't know if we want to discuss it, but Pablo has a theory that that actually happened once that we had a national team player call in but not identify himself. Oh yeah, well, it like wasn't my theory. It was player, like a fringe. It was. Well, it we're was, almost sure that mix that mixed mixed discreet called the show once. Mixed discreet. Yeah, we'll have to we'll have to isolate that clip and put it on our Twitter because there was just a guy who was like our, our friend oh, our friend our friend Josh Weisenhunt uh, pointed this out to us. Right, we were I I had been tweeting at mixed discreet all week because of the his name was getting butchered on SAP, <laughs> and that week on the live show, the first caller was like. And it sound, it really sounds just like him. He's like, so what do you think about Mixed Discrude? Is he like overrated or what's the deal? Like, do you think he's going to do anything in MLS? I didn't think anything of it at the time, but when Josh told me this and I listened back to it, I was like, holy shit, I think that's Mixed Discrude. And then you check the phone number. And the phone number on the Skype log, because you could see who's calling in and all that stuff, was a New York phone number. Yeah, that's, I mean, I. When Seth said isolate the audio, I thought he meant like then send it to the FBI and see if they can use right, some like voice somebody, recognition. Yeah, somebody like at a laptop just like enhance. Yeah, but it just says enhance and like if we screen. if we don't have those connections, maybe we can tweet it out and see. Well, so so Dan, uh, what do you want to talk about? And make it and, yeah, and fucking actually, make it fast, Dan. All right. <laughs> I, I had another USMNT related question. I'm, I'm just curious what you guys think about sort of the the fan uproar following the Gold Cup, which is obviously deserved because the team should have played better and should have had a better result. But Clemson always seems to turn it into a, oh, this is a good sign for U.S. soccer culture and kind of deflects it away. But I really wonder if he's starting to feel the heat a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I I thought it was, like, cute because it's obvious that none of that – it doesn't mean shit to the USSF or Jurgen, you know. And I I do think there is – 
I mean, I don't think it's a bad point by Jurgen, but it certainly doesn't excuse the performance. Uh, I'll go as far as to say that it it does impact Klinsman's job status, but he like if he it could be the first step, right? Like if he falls short in the Gold Cup because of uh, some clearly questionable decisions. And then they lose the Confederations Cup playoff. He and then, still won't be fired. And then let's say. And then they lose to Grenada and Guadalajara. Exactly, yeah. If they lose to uh, who's in their group, like it's a bunch of tiny islands. Saint and, Vincent and, and St. Vincent. Vincent. Here, and here you know, man, I'll write the press conference for you. Here's, here's Jurgen Klinsmann. He says, I mean, I just I think a lot of the teams in CONCACAF are getting strong every day. You see teams like Antigua. You see teams like the Kits and the in Cagos Islands. You see all these teams. You know, it's not just. Uh, Did you make up a country? The Kits and Caicos Islands. <laughs> what is that even? Kits and Nevins. Is what I meant to say. Turks and Caicos. Turks Island. and Caicos. Yeah. Kits and Nevins. Hybrid. Uh, I, I mean, I, I, yeah, yeah, I think you're right. It is a. Uh, Maybe maybe the public outcries, you know, would would eventually sort of add to the tidal wave. But I I certainly yeah. don't think it really means much right now. Yeah. All right. Good stuff, guys. Thanks for taking my question. All right. Thanks. We hate you, Dan. <laughs> so, so 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 mean. Okay, wait. It's, it's not true, Dan. Uh, I feel yes, like I have to. Cor- I, I feel like I have to correct that. Yes, we, uh, we love Dan. I'm gonna go right back to the phones because Jared, Jared from the Best Soccer Show, coming up is next. On the line. By the way, yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not, between the four of us now, I'm not sure that the FCC can handle as what, much what, sex appeal. Yeah, I didn't realize you guys had caller ID. Jeez, I thought good luck me ever prank calling this shit. Yeah, <laughs> I'm I'm looking at my Skype window and it says North American Soccer Network at a Jared Dubois to this conversation. Do you know what the North American Soccer Soccer Network is? Never heard of that. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea. What's what's going it's, on, man? It's some bastion. It's some bastion of old. Uh, let's just go and see who you're starting goals for on the EPL fantasy teams. <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> Thomas, do you have one of those? No, I uh, no, I honestly. Honestly though, honestly though, the reason I really thought I'm sitting here waiting to do my show, right? I'm listening to the guy's show, and I'm looking at all the stupid memorabilia I have on my desk, and I'm thinking like, some of it actually means something to me. I'm wondering. I know Pablo is the guy that really collects uh, stuff. I'm wondering what mostly human your bones. Favorite member of memorabilia, soccer memorabilia. Is. This is a good one. Thomas collects it too. Mine uh, is um, mine is a full a full denim kit. So like shorts. The shirt and like the incredible like warm up, you know, d- not even a warm up. Yeah, you've seen what, it. No, no socks though. No socks. Yeah. No socks. No socks. Yeah. My number Floyd has a lot of scarves. Yeah, I have a lot of scarves. Also, he I has have... a, a soccer ball signed by the entire Rochester Rhinos team. Ooh, <laughs> well, that that one. that belongs to my girlfriend. But yeah, uh, in terms of my actual memorabilia, I have a. A flag back home that's signed by everyone who played for DC United from like 1997 to like 2005. By the way, oh. I, I'm going to go ahead and Seth. I'm going to throw this to you and ask you if Seth Seth's main prop when it comes to getting laid, which is not somebody worry about worries about anymore because he has a girlfriend. Is for years he well, had well. hanging over his bed a signed play jersey, right? Yeah. Like just a prized possession of his. Is that what it is? I think I think I think he he just wanted to tell ladies, hey, this is where I play. That's terrible. That's terrible, Jared. <laughs> that that only worked a couple times. I can't, in good faith, tell people now to stay tuned for best soccer show <laughs> after this shit. You know, I'm gonna have to pimp soccer gods now. I'm gonna have to oh. throw it to fusion or something like that. You know, 
Uh, Jared, what's your favorite piece of memory? I'm actually going to revise mine and say a 1978 pair of NASL branded Adidas cleats, which I own. And it's really creepy because they're children's cleats. They are children's cleats. I have a pair of children's shoes on my mantle. Jared, what's uh, what's your favorite piece of memorabilia? Um, you know what? I'm not a big collector, but I have a couple things. Um, I have I think it's I don't even have it in my house. That's how important it is to me. It's not even at my house. But um, I have the, my program from my first uh, Galaxy game, 1996 opening day at the Rose Bowl. Wow. I I almost had you 65. <laughs> I I almost had a similar answer. I still have my ticket from the first MLS game I ever went to. It was May 1st and it was the New York New Jersey Metro Stars against DC United at RFK Stadium. Mine was uh 2003 maybe Chicago Fire Soldier Field. It was when Stoichkov played for them. Yeah. So before he broke uh, that's, broke that's, someone's that's leg. That, that, was that the uh the years where um the uh, Damani Ralph and Auntie Raza were lighting it up. Actually, 2003, was on DC United. So, so 2002, probably. Yeah, yeah. All right, Jared, we're going to let you go because, uh, well, because we don't like you. So. Okay. Yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll see you in about, I don't know, 10 minutes. Right on that. Have a great rest of the show. All right, cheers. Uh, so, quick side discussion that. Make it quick because we got about 90 seconds. You brought up SAP. Uh, about a few I think Calajuri got fired. Yeah, like he, and also Sandoval has toned back the colorful language. God, there's no more so white much. rectangle. Like, yeah. it's unforgivable that we did this, right? Like, we we all secretly loved it. Like, I should have laid off a little bit. Like, I shouldn't have been, you know, like I, I have no regrets on how things turned out. My only regret is that Calajuri didn't last through the whole season because I I feel. A little bit empty every time I watch on Friday nights now, and it's just Sandoval. Like, I wish they would have just got rid of both of them because. With an unbelievable effort, Paul, a man down comes back to tie this game. Incredible. Pablo Mauro says it best at Emelissus. I love Chicago style pizza, but New York style is the best. New York City till we die. Love you guys. Oh, All right, I no longer that. I no longer feel bad. <laughs> I quote, "New York City till we die." Listen, Love you guys. We got listen, we got one more call. That's in, an actually. actual thing that happened, and they can never take that away. I know. Four oh four, you're an open wide for some soccer. How can we all be? Hey, how's it going, guys? Good, man. What's up? Uh, I wanted to talk about how Jurgen Klinsmann should stay on until you know the cutter woke up. What do you guys think? <laughs> I think he actually just signed an extension, <laughs> so we can so we can start Jonathan between the posts. And I, I think yeah. what's going to happen is when the Cutter World Cup gets canceled, Klinsman's going to be like lifetime contract until I've, I like I stay on until there's a Cutter World Cup now, like 2055 or something like that. Um, yeah, yeah, no. <laughs> That's all I got to say about that. As amusing as it okay. would be. Anyways, uh, thanks for the call. We actually have to go because uh, yeah, we we have a hard cap here. Yeah, yeah. we can't go go over and indulge like we usually do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyways, do we want to quickly get in our picks for the? Uh, Trevor says we have about a minute. Okay, most influential MLS newcomer. This who will it be? Uh, let's do. Let's go to. Uh, or we have three minutes left. Let's okay. Talk, let's just talk about Andrea Pirlo real quick. Yeah, he okay, so, he looked like dog shit. Uh, I don't know, just one thought, game. It's just one his, game, just I one thought game. his first game, he looked really good. Yeah. And then that last game against Montreal, we he, saw some more of the... He um, led the game in giveaways. Limitations. 
20, 22. Well, to be fair, Frank Lampard only played 20 minutes. Otherwise, Lampard looked he'd be, even worse. He'd be Lampard right looked, up there with that, him. Lampard looked even worse. <laughs> that, they need to have a wholesale tactical change to accommodate Pirlo. Like, that just needs to happen, as Agreed. it does for every team Pirlo plays for. Yeah, I mean, when, when, you, when you talk about making the biggest on-field impact, you got to go with Lampard and Pirlo in a negative way, right. making who, New York City worse. Who will have the biggest impact, though, between Didier Drogba, Giovanni Dos Santos, Frankie Lampard, Pirlo Party? I feel like I feel I'm gonna like, add Steven Gerrard in here. I feel like of that group, I, I would go Drogba because I'd go Gerrard. I think I think Giovanni is probably the best player in that group, but is he gonna start over Legit? I mean, it sounds like a silly question, but oh. Legit has been on fire. He scored He's almost every single uh, every single yeah. game. I, they can fit the so I mean my give me, theory. Give me, the, give me your tactical yeah. They, outlook. You go with I mean it's not that complicated. You go with Gerard and Janino as your center mids, Legit and. Uh, probably either either Zardes or Dos Santos out wide, and then either Zardes or Dos Santos starts up top with Keen. Kind of. Thomas Floyd. That's basically what they did last year with Donovan. Donovan Zardes kept switching between being the forward or the outside mid. Just not gonna just gonna glaze right over that. Uh, now we have forty five seconds left. What do you guys want to talk about? Okay, My, I wanna, can I say something? I think that that guy who called was a prank caller, but then it turned out that... He was a real car, yeah. Well, he, like, he, first of all, no, we've never talked about EPL on the show ever, asking yeah. EPL question. And then he there said was he's like a first-time listener. But though. then there was that like bullhorn thing, and I was like, oh, he's just messing with us. Yeah. I don't know what he that wasn't. was. He wasn't. Yeah. Okay, that's all I got. <laughs> <laughs> I th- my pick for the most influential newcomer is uh, Facundo Correa. <laughs> All right, we'll uh, talk to you guys next week. (laughs)